created live on Fireside. There we go. Hello, hello. Hi. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, I want to welcome Dr. James Fox, episode six of The Human Challenge. Um, Cambridge art historian, BAFTA-nominated broadcaster, and author of The World According to Color. How are you today? I'm very well. All the better for speaking to you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I had the opportunity to read uh, your book, The World of Color, The World According to Color. I know we spoke about it the last time uh, we met, but um, honestly, like amazing book. It was so fantastic. Um, I, I mean, it was just one of those books that I read so slowly because uh, I had to. There was so much to just absorb and take in and the whole journey. Like it was I could appreciate as a reader the intention behind writing it, you know, and the time and and. Uh, the interweaving of all these different disciplines, you know, like the history of civilization, art and culture, media, like it was honestly just this fantastic book. Um, I wonder maybe if you want to, maybe we can start off if you want to just like chat about it real quick and then maybe tell us some of the journey behind that because I know it was like a 10 year, uh, a 10 year journey of writing it. <laughs> well, I'm pleased you read it slowly because I, I certainly wrote it slowly. Um, I first conceived it, I was um, uh, back in 2012, so 10, 11 years ago, I was asked to make a, 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 a series for the BBC. Um, and I went into this kind of rare meeting at the BBC where they said, well, you can make a programme or a television series about anything you like, what would you like to do? And I said, well, colour, I'd like to, because I'd always been interested in colour from childhood onwards. And they said, great, go and make the series. So I went out and I made this series, we travelled around the world, um, making this documentary series about the different colours of the world. And I just thought at the end of that series, I thought, I've got to write a book about this. This this is, you know, this is really something I've got to do. And so I embarked on this book thinking it would be a very straightforward process. But colour is one of those subjects that, you know, it's it's never ending. It's a sort of bottomless pit. And um, it sort of touches on absolutely every every possible field. And so the research went, and I'm quite an obsessive personality, and I thought, I need to know everything. Um, and so the research went on and on, and the subjects got deeper and deeper, and I sort of started moving into the sciences and philosophy and all these other kinds of disciplines. And in the end, yeah, it took me about eight years to write it. Um, and, you know, there are passages in the book that are only a paragraph long, but they, they took me months and months to research. So I was desperate, for instance, to know what happens in the brain when you see black. Is black the same as seeing nothing or is it actually seeing something? Or um, I was also very keen to know what the Big Bang actually looked like. So uh, I did a huge amount of research to try and find out what the Big Bang would have looked like if we'd been there to witness it. These things took me months and months to research. And in the end, I ended up sort of distilling them into a sort of paragraph of text about that long. But it was a, it was a really um, enjoyable, um, if protracted, process of writing uh, that book. Wow. Um, that's really fantastic, honestly. I mean, I just think it's so... Um... I just think it's it's phenomenal. Um, uh, I and I again like I appreciated that reading it. Um, I could like it sense that I could feel that there was so much careful attention put into it. Um, mm -hmm. Now you focus a bit. I think you focused on I think it was like seven kind of preliminary colors, I believe, right? Um, and then I w can you remind me why that was the reason that you chose those seven colors? Well, there are obviously, you know, in some ways, there are many more colours than that in, 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 in the world that we see. And in some ways, there are no colours in the world because they're all invented by our brains, ultimately. Um, uh, but people have, throughout history, tried to create a sort of list of 
if you like, primary colours. Um, some people speak of the three primary colours. A lot of societies mm -hmm. just two primary colours of black and white. Anthropologically, often black, white, and red are the three primary colours, rather than the, the 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 blue, yellow, and red that we that we have in modern science. Um, but the the number I wanted to have, I felt that three wasn't enough for a book. Um, uh, but I felt that seven was the number I wanted to go for, and the reason I chose seven is partly because um, it, uh, Isaac Newton selected seven colours uh, simply because he wanted them to correlate with the musical notes, but also because seven feels like a very important symbolic number in human history, the seven ages of man, the, the seven uh, sins, the seven cardinal virtues, the seven planets. And um, uh, th th there are lots of sevens in, in, um, in human culture. And seven is often seen as the, as the number of humanity. Six is the number of the devil. Eight is the number of Christ and the resurrection because he gets another life. And seven is the number of humanity. And because this is a, a very much a, a history of human culture and human society, I felt that seven was the, uh, was the correct number to choose. Uh, but it meant that there are certain colours that, you know, I would have loved to write about, uh, you know, grey and brown and orange um, that I wasn't able to to write about, but I tried in each of those in each of those um, chapters to bring in adjacent colours to to the main ones discussed in the in the chapters. Right, right, and you know, I thought it was um, even for myself, like going through it, there was almost like a spiritual aspect. I think to some of it, it was kind of how I felt reading it, anyways. Um, so that was very fascinating, especially when you brought in a lot of the stuff about, you know, when you brought in lots of different pieces of art and um, different paintings and how those. Um, you know, how those, I guess, evolved even throughout uh, time and, and the usage of different colors through time. Uh, like that was honestly just fascinating. And so, and I mean, like there was stuff in there even about the, like the industry of color production. <laughs> like, uh, and I was honestly, like my mind was blown. I was like, how were you able to fit all these different things into one book? Because the book isn't even that long. It's It's maybe, how many pages is it? Do you remember? Like, it's not... It's it was twice as long, three times as long, and I distilled it. <laughs> I think the great uh, one of the, the for me the exciting things is to try to distill as much as possible and to get things to to say something complex and rich and exciting, but in the simplest possible way and the shortest possible way. So yeah, it was I think two two or three times the length originally, and then I sort of cut it back um, painfully, but also enjoyably. Yeah, um, yeah but I mean, it's so. And it's that's absolutely important. It's absolutely crucial that you know color has um, been connected to spiritual meanings um, for thousands of years all over the world. Because uh, you know, and uh, of course that those old connections between sort of you know black and darkness and sin and white and the divine and purity and red and blood and the sacrament and the Eucharist and uh, yellow and the sun and you know c color has these very symbolic connotations and always has done and color is itself a kind of almost um numinous mystery in itself because it's something that we is all around us but we can't really touch it we can't really get to grips with it it slips through our fingers it vanishes into the distance it it hovers uh in this this kind of strange ether between us and the the thing that lies beyond it so color is a very mysterious entity and um and that's also another reason why it took me so long to write because it's one of those things that when you start to get up close it it kind of disappears like quicksilver um so it, it is it is a mystical uh, property and entity color in its own right 
Um, that's fantastic. I absolutely, I absolutely love that. Um, and, and I think that just speaks to, I think a lot of things in the world, you know, I think this whole idea that everything around us is really just whatever we perceive it to be, you know, like, is there actual, is there actually a reality? And I don't know, like for when you say those words, that's what I think. That's what comes up for me because even when you spoke about in the book, how color is, um, uh, what is it like? Uh, how it's produced or how we how we see color right like it really is just reflection of light and so i like i yes. just think that's uh, absolutely fascinating well it's one of the great debates in in philosophy is that you know is that is that question that's a metaphysical question i suppose an ontological question of you know uh what is reality is it is it objective does it exist objectively independently of us out in the world or does it exist primarily inside us is it generated by the brain and color of course has been a, a real sort of epicenter of that particular debate because for a long time historically the common sense view was that colors just existed out in the world the, the you know leaves were green because they had a kind of greenness to them and that greenness was there independently of us but increasingly neuroscientists um, and philosophers are thinking of color as almost overwhelmingly made from within. It's an overwhelmingly subjective creation that we then project onto the world and believe it exists around us. So color is a really good way to tease out those biggest questions of all, the questions of what is reality and, and, and how does our sensation and our experience of the world, you know, fit into the, the jigsaw puzzle of what is what exists in the world in itself. Right, right. And I mean, that's just fascinating, you know, that, you know, to take something as little, not little, but something like color, this concept, and to be able to apply it to such a, such an abstract thing, which I suppose makes sense, because color in itself is kind of abstract. And then we use it in all these different ways, um, you know, through art. And then even just, I remember in a lot of the book that you spoke a lot about, uh, even like rituals, you know, like the color red meant things in certain cultures, and how even in certain cultures, that meaning changed over time through civilization, yes. right? Well, like, yeah, I mean, color is a very changeable uh, entity. And so uh, the idea that it has fixed, uh, it, it doesn't have a fixed residence, <laughs> you know, it moves all over the place, appears uh, in, uh, differently in different people's uh, perceptions, uh, changes with light sources, changes uh, it constantly. But it also has very changeable cultural and social meanings as well. So, you know, um, we, we we like to believe that there are kind of fixed meanings of, of certain colours, that, you know, black, black is the colour of death or whatever it is. But actually, when you start to look into it, you realise that these these meanings themselves are are very slippery, that, you know, uh, black may be the colour of, of death in the West, but white is the colour of the de death in the East, um, that in North America, in the United States, that red is the colour of the um, the Republican Party, so right of centre politics, and blue is the colour of the Democrat, whereas in, in Europe, it's the completely the opposite. Red is the left-wing colour and blue is the right-wing colour. And even things like when you think about um, the way that babies are sometimes, we live in a very, an increasingly gender fluid period, uh, period now, but, you know, often still parents will dress a baby boy in blue and a baby girl in pink. And yet a hundred years ago, it was completely the other way around. The boy, the color for boys was pink because pink was associated with the flesh and blood and strength and the body. And blue was the color that was associated with distance and calmness and tranquility in the Virgin Mary. So blue was the, the typical uh, female color. So these kind of meanings are constantly shifting and changing. I give one example in the book, actually, about black, you know, black and its association with funeral wear. 
um, and saying that if a woman went to a funeral in a black dress, that black dress would be a symbol of, of mourning. But if she then jumped into a taxi and crossed, you know, went down the road to a cocktail party, that black dress, that same black dress, that same colour would be a symbol of stylish sophistication. So, you know, meanings of colour are constantly changing. Its symbolism is constantly changing. Yeah, and that's just that's just amazing. Honestly, it's just it's amazing to me. Um, just how I don't I don't even know. I don't even I don't even think I have the words to say. Like it honestly is just amazing just to be able to marvel at that. And that was why I had to read the book so slowly because I I had to take my time to, you know, absorb these thoughts and to just take it in and to just appreciate that, you know, because I just think it's I just think it's fantastic. I really, really do. And just the whole abstract side to it. I mean, I just think it's absolutely phenomenal and how we can relate it to our own physical world around us. Well, I mean, while we're on the physical world, you know, we're, 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 you know, obviously there are lots of, there's lots of abstract and intellectual and philosophical content there. But in a way, one of the motives of the book was to focus on the very simple physical world. Um, I, I begin with this story of, as a child, noticing this fly that I was initially disgusted by and then discovered the beautiful colors of. And I think one of the purpose, one of the purposes of the book is to, is to encourage people to look afresh at the world um, and even very banal and overlooked aspects of the world. You know, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the philosopher said, the hardest things to see are the things we see every single day. And I think we so often overlook whether it's a bug or whether it's the color of a coffee or whether it's the color of the, the mud beneath our feet or that we'd want to get off our clothes. Um, we so overlook these colors. And yet when you actually give it time and attention to look at the world around us, to look at the colors that, that, that inhabit this world with us and are very much produced by us, um, you can find beauty and magic and wonder and in absolutely everything. And I, so I think that in a way, that's one of the, the, the lessons I want to impart in the book is if you just, you know, look closely at things, things you wouldn't otherwise have bothered to look at, colour can give you uh, enormous and, uh, and endless pleasure and, and revelatory inspiration. Right. I think that's just marvellous. Um, I really do. And... I think that's a really beautiful message. I think like the undertone to that message is really about appreciation and gratitude, you know, slowing down and really being able to appreciate what's here, what's around us, what's in front of us and what it offers us and just the multitude of perspectives that we can gain from just taking that time to be appreciative and be grateful and be yeah. in honor what's in front of us. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I will walk down the, the grocery aisle and I'll, I'll look at the vegetables lined up and I'll just be amazed because obviously, you know, green is a particularly exciting colour, isn't it? And green actually we saw, we see as human beings, we see more shades of green pretty much than any other colour. Most other mammals don't see green at all. Uh, most mammals are red, green colour blind. It's only primates um, uh, within the mammal kingdom who are able to see red and green primarily because uh, we think evolutionary, they develop the ability, they need to develop the ability to see fruit, ripe fruit against the backdrop of a green forest. Um, but, you know, if you just go down the grocery aisle and you look at the extraordinary myriad shades of green that you find just, you know, lined up in the in the broccoli and the peas and the and the Brussels sprouts and the, you know, and, and, and the cabbages and the lettuces, it, that is just an absolute visual feast um, uh, before you even open your mouth to eat the stuff. Um, and so I think that, you know, 
it, it's finding a way to look afresh at at, at the, the the extraordinary things around us. I think children are very good at it. I think my, I've got two young children, and my son, my older son, who's four, um, he notices things. Um, I'm sure you've encountered this, Vanessa, with young people. You know, uh, children notice things. They look at the world much more closely than adults do because they're not so busy trying to get things done, rushing from one place to the other, from one meeting to the next. They they stop, they interrogate, they examine, they look at the world in exciting and fresh and brilliantly vivid ways. And I suppose trying in my book to um, encourage other people and even just myself to be able to see the world in, in the way that a child sees the world uh, with those wide open eyes in that sort of, you know, highly vivid, um, um, high resolution imagery. I think that's I think that's so true. And and again, I really think to me it just comes down to being able to really like just look at our world a little bit differently, look at the world around us, and I think appreciate it a little a little bit more. Um, I think I'm gonna close this episode on that note because I really think it's beautiful and really coming down to reminding ourselves to take that time, you know, appreciate what's around us, appreciate that color, appreciate its meaning and that we can put whatever meaning to things that we want. I think that's that's a really great reminder uh, for this episode. So I wanna thank you so much for coming on the show. Really, thank you. Um, if anyone has a chance, please check out the book, a World, The World According to Color. Honestly, it will like blow your mind. Like my perspective on a lot of things changed um, just drastically when I closed that book. And so I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity to have you come on the show. Well, thank you so much for reading it, Vanessa. And thank you so much for inviting me on your wonderful show. Absolutely. Thanks so much. <laughs> Take care. Created live on Fireside.